What's good, everybody? It's Anthony Haney here on the All Jokes Aside podcast with my boys DJ and Corey. Hey, we missed last week, so we got to make sure we bounce back right and start everything off with a just how y'all doing today? How you doing, Square? I had a long, long day. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was at work by myself. Corey wasn't there. Nobody oh, wow. else. Nobody else was there. It was just me. You know how I felt like? I felt like Giannis. That's what I felt like. I was at work by myself. That's all I have to say. Corey? Wow. I feel guilty. I mean, shout out to the District of Columbia government. Had my first jury duty. I did not get a case. Got dismissed. But I'm happy to be here. Talk about sports. Uh, Happy to um, rain on the state of Wisconsin and uh, David's uh, fandom. He's had a few uh, bad months in the state of Wisconsin. It's been a little rough. It's been a little rough for the state of Wisconsin. But I, I'd rather have a few bad months than my entire lifetime. But that's neither here nor there. And I'll dead. toss it right, back to you. Look, look, now he cut. <laughs> toss it back to you, man. You guys can't see me right now. I'm really squared up right now, ready to beat DJ. But we're not going to get there. We're going to talk about his bucks, though, because he want to get spicy. Let's talk about how they fared in yesterday's uh, semifinal uh, against the Boston Celtics. Um, the Celtics, you know, they came out there, did what they had to do, defended home court. Um, Giannis, I'm not going to lie, Giannis had himself a great game. I think 25 and 20 on the stat sheet is a very good game. A lot of people, you know, called him out and said, oh, he didn't, you know, have a LeBron-like performance. He didn't, you know have a, a game seven performance. Um, but he hasn't quite frankly received all the backlash and slander that, you know, superstars usually um, get after these tough games. So DJ, can you break that down for just, you know, the bucks coming up short. And then also Jan is not receiving some of the backlash that, you know, KD received, Chris Paul received, you know, LeBron James superstars usually receive after a, a troublesome um, game. I'm going I'm to cut in because he's not on that level. Go ahead. <laughs> so so you're going to talk about the best the best player in the league right now? Um, I don't think Giannis received all of that slack because, I mean, if you look at the situation for what it was, one, he didn't have his number two. Two, Mike Budenholzer is – the most interesting coach. And I say interesting because I don't really know how – I don't know another way to describe him. Um, Mike Boonhoser, one year, makes great adjustments. And it's like, good job, Mike. And this year he reverted back to himself in previous years. The reason the Bucks couldn't beat um, Toronto when they lost to Kawhi, no adjustments made. The reason the Bucks got slapped by the heat in the bubble, no adjustments made. And it's like this time around, every time the Celtics did something, um, it was like Mike Boonehoser would figure it out for like 30 seconds and they'd be like, all right, back to what I said we wanted the game plan to be. Um, so I, I truly think like when you look at this series in the microcosm, like Giannis played amazing basketball the entirety of the series. You can say he had turnover problems. Corey, name me one bad game Giannis had during the series. Like, do you want me? Do you want me to do my take, or you want me to let you finish? Uh, let me finish, and then I really want you to say like what game was legitimately like. Dang, Giannis was two for ten with fourteen points. I'll, the man, I'll dive in. I'll dive the, in. the man, damn near had a triple. Even yesterday, he had he had twenty five, twenty and nine. Like he had a twenty twenty game and nine assists. You can say uh, he had five turnovers, which most of his turnovers are usually attributed to offensive foul calls. Um, which the Celtics definitely did an amazing job at forcing the issue with that um, because they weren't, some of them were flops, but a majority of them were legitimate offensive fouls um, because that's Giannis's game. But I think, like I said, as a, as a whole, it was Ime Udoka outcoached Mike Boothmoser. Um, And when you have players who go out and execute a game plan as a team better than another team, I don't care what you say. Regardless of the player, you're going to lose. You're going to take a slug. Um, so that's that's why I think the Bucks are at home. I still say this, Bucks and nine. Um, but, yeah. Are you ready for some expert analysis? 
You ready, David? This for you. This for no, this for you. (laughs) You want to start with Buddha Hoser or Giannis? Allegedly, you could start with Giannis. I really hear the 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 nonsense that you're gonna say. All right, ball don't stop. All right, so Giannis, Mm -hmm. he had a really good stat line. What he shoot from the floor? Ten for twenty six for a dude who shits who shoots mostly inside the paint. All right, cool. All right, so. He was trying to keep his team in the game. You know what? He's a superstar. He got to get him up. I get it. So, first half, hooping. That's Giannis. That's the best player in the league right there. We have 17, like 10 and 8 in the first half. Is that what he had? 12, 12 and 7. Yeah. So, let's let's look at his second half stats. I have this right in front of me, David. Do you, you, I want you to look at me. Look at me in my eyes. I'm looking at you. Can't see <laughs> so, the Greek freak, he shot 3 for 11 in the second half. One for six in the fourth quarter. Is that is that the best play in the league type numbers in the game seven fourth quarter? Is that yeah. is, I'm just hey, I can you hear it? Is that best play in the league numbers in the fourth in the second half? He's supposed to be the, <laughs> oh, he's supposed to be the, he's supposed to be to put the team on his back. He put the team on his back. Brooke Lopez was hooping. Where was Giannis? Where was Giannis in the second half? Do you want me to respond or no? Yeah, go ahead. So psych. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> we really, you really gonna let numbers? That's 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 your answer, Corey. You gonna let, you really gonna look at stats? And that's it. Not actually. I mean, like, I mean, that's he did not play well in the second half. It's okay. I mean, I mean, when the people that are you depending on to to shoot and make shots go him him what? no 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 no. He, but Giannis, no is, but Giannis is predicated towards actually having space, right? Correct or incorrect. But, but when your shooters aren't making court, he didn't make layups. Court, he make layups. He was missing layups. When you have three people, he was missing layups. When you have three people, he was missing layups. Are you he the best player in the world? Three. He people? should. He the best player in the world, right? Bro, bro. All right. He the best and, player in the world. As a LeBron right. fan, has LeBron, right. when LeBron is successful in the series, does his do his shooters not? Has LeBron ever been successful when his shooters absolutely did not show up? Like, and when I say absolutely did not show up, Drew Holiday from three. 0 for 6. Brooke Lopez, 1 for 6. Wes Matthews, 0 for 3. Grayson okay. Allen, 0 for 4. Pat but, Connaughton, 0 for 5. The Bucks is a team. 4 for 33. Nobody right. made threes. So and what I, is Giannis supposed to do? I think DJ's getting into my point as to why the Celtics were able to beat the Bucks. But, DJ, but, DJ, hear me out. Because the Celtics knocked down 22 three-pointers yesterday. Grant Williams had himself a field day. First of all, y'all let that man shoot 18 wide-open threes. That is on Budenhoser's. That is his fault. That is him and his staff. Absolutely on Um, Budenhoser. Literally throughout the entire series, you know, they did a great job running the three-pointers off the uh, three-point line and forcing them to take either contested twos or just get blocked at the rim by Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Giannis, they had so much length on the inside, and I don't understand why they deviated from the game plan. Even if Grant, Grant Williams isn't the best three-point shooter, it's the fact that he's capable of making three-pointers. So I think the Bucks' inability to, you know, um, knock down three for one, but also defend the three is what ultimately hurt them. Um, and also, definitely the absence of Middleton showed up um, because – Drew, he had an okay game, but if your shooters aren't hitting, you need another shot creator. You know, everybody was, you know, ganging up on Giannis. Everybody's stepping over. Marcus Smart, he here, then he's there. Then you got Grant Williams taking a charge here. So they, you know, they wanted everybody else to beat um, them as opposed to Giannis. And I think the Celtics did a great job of just, you know, executing a game plan for real, for real. But to be honest, the series should have been over. I don't think it should have gone seven. I think the Celtics were the better team, for the, the far superior team, just because the Bucs didn't already have Middleton. But the Bucs, they were able to make it a series. Um, and it was just all around a great just game plan executed by Emil Doka um, in his first year as the Boston Celtics coach. So I think um, definitely he, he deserves some, um, some praise for his ability to go out there and outcoach Boonehose, because I do, quite frankly, think Boots got um, outcoach for this game. All right, let me jump back in here, because y'all made some really good points and something I really want to talk about. Um, 
David knows I was trolling with 80% of my Giannis take. He did have a terrible second half, but um, in my heart of hearts, I believe that Giannis is definitively the best player in the NBA right oh, no now. Question. Um, but I'm my two biggest appointments was Coach Budenholzer for one, number one, far and away, because it's like not even Grant Williams. It was literally every single Celtic who wanted to get a wide open three was able to get a wide open three. Like, I don't I don't know who was uh, calling the game. I think it was Van Gundy. He was like, Brooke Lopez literally did not leave the paint like the whole time. And it's like, I get Brooke Lopez, like you get more on offense and he's a really good rim protector. But like, at some point you're just like, all right, I'm not going to let these dudes shoot. Like, even when they're not making, it's still a wide open three every single time they want it. And like, threes are more than twos yep. at the end of the day. So if they only shoot at 30%, they were still going to blow the bucks out. And then, like, Drew Holiday, exactly. Drew Holiday is my biggest disappointment. I, even with Chris Milton hurt, I still had the Bucks as my uh, championship favorite because I thought Drew Holiday, um, I thought he could take it to another level, and he showed me that he just isn't capable of it. He is not capable of, because he only knows how to play one way, and as they go all out on defense, and I think that takes away from his offensive game, where he he only takes difficult shots, and if he's not making his contested shots, he damn near close to a liability on offense. So I thought Drew Holiday could be a second best player on the an NBA like championship caliber team, but it's showing that Chris Middleton is the true second best player. Shoot one A, one B with him and Giannis. I mean, it's a little different because Middleton's a little bit more of a shot creator for himself more than Giannis, but Drew Holiday really disappointed me. I thought he had more um that he could have shown. Um what he shoot? He shot terribly this whole series, but he shot like nine for 20 or nine for like 24 from the floor, 0% from three. Like, that's not going to get it done. Yeah. And and on top of that, I think, like you said, Drew Holiday show he is a great third option, but he can't be a second option for a championship caliber team. I mean, you saw it in New Orleans with 80 um, when DeMarcus Cousins went down. Yeah, they, they made some noise. They beat the Blazers, but – the second they, they really got to a team that was good, they got smoked. And that's because, like you said, Drew Holiday is – because he's such a two-way player and he gives a 1,000% on defense, he doesn't have, like, that next gear offensively. And, I mean, it's not a flaw until it's a flaw and you get put in a situation like he got put in where a team depended on you to be a shot creator, to be a shot maker, and – it almost seemed like during the series, like he wasn't trying to even be a shot creator for the team. It was just, you look up, Drew Holiday's taking a super tough contested shot or he's trying to bully his way to the paint, which, I mean, that works for you every now and then, but an uh, entire game, an entire series where you get you banging with Marcus, the likes of Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, can't do that. So um, I think, you know, the Bucks as a team definitely have to look at this season and say, hmm. Eh. Where do we what do we change up to make this work? Because like even I saw a lot of people like, oh, the Bucks still needed PJ Tucker. Like PJ Tucker wouldn't have changed this series. The only player that changes this series is Chris Middleton. As the only player within the past two years that would have changed this series. And even like you have analysts like ball don't stop on Instagram. They're like, Giannis's bully ball doesn't work and blah blah blah. It's like the man didn't have hope. Hate to tell you so. Yeah, let's move on to the Suns, though. That's the that's the more interesting game. That's the interesting game to talk about. That is indeed, man. And it's crazy we're talking about, uh, you know, Chris Middleton missing and, you know, the Bucks needing an extra star. When it's a guy out there in Dallas that is single-handedly willing his team to Siri wins after Siri win in, uh, in Luka Doncic. So the Mavs, they go out and blow the Suns out in Phoenix. In Phoenix, I think, which really makes this whole situation like that much greater um, in order to advance to the, the Western Conference Finals. Um, and we've seen, you know, a lot of Chris Paul slander. You know, we've seen Lucas unguardable. What really happened, though, in this series, though? Um, and I'll let uh, Corey start. Um, with, you know, his take on what truly happened in this game seven. Ooh, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. So, <laughs> first off, David texted me outside and said, hey, yo, 
In other words, Luca's invited to the cookout from here on out. Here on out. <laughs> Luca, Luca is that man. He is. He's a bad boy. He is super tough. He is definitively a top five player in the NBA. Um, Luca is one of those guys where he's like one of those put the whole team on my back just because his game is like I would literally dribble the ball for 22 seconds and get the best shot available, whether it's a step back. The little new spin step back he had to the game, which is unstoppable. And as well as getting his other um, players involved. But, I mean, this game really came down to the Suns play like cold ass. And the Mavericks didn't, like, they went on a crazy run. They went on a death run, and they never looked back. Like, if Spencer Dinwiddie, like, if he's giving you 30 points off the bench, you, you're supposed to lose. Like, Dinwiddie... People like the it's crazy how the narrative changed on Spencer Dinwiddie and literally one basketball game. He was not good this entire series before this game seven. And now everybody's like Spencer Dinwiddie, the map. I mean, theoretically, you could say the Mavericks won the trade. They in the conference finals, whatever. But Spencer Dinwiddie is the most streakiest player ever. But shout out to him for dropping 30 in the game seven. But I mean, I think. And I'm sure y'all are going to talk to him more. Like, happy for the Mavs. Uh, we'll get into this on who we think is going to win the Western Conference Finals. But the real story is, what do the Suns do from here? Chris Paul is only going to get worse from what we've been looking at the news today. DeAndre Aiden is not happy. Monty Williams isn't talking about DeAndre Aiden and their future plans. And I think DeAndre Aiden is a major piece to what their team is. Um, he doesn't really – he's another streaky person on offense, but he kind of is a defensive presence there as well as kind of somebody you can, like, throw the ball into and he'll expose um, smaller matchups. But um, what do the Suns do for here? Is their window officially closed, even though they have a young core? Is Devin Booker, can he be the best player on the championship team? So those are kind of the questions I get from uh, watching this game. Uh, David, what do you think? Honestly, um, I think the biggest thing this series, this game set did was not the doors off of the son's house and expose everything. Um, I think it showed, like you said, Chris, it, it reminded us that Chris Paul is, has been in the league since 05. Um, it, and Ed's going to have a field day talking about that career. Um, it, re, it showed us that the reports of, even during the offseason last year, where the son's ownership didn't want to give DeAndre Aiden that max extension, where he had to sit back and watch what four out of the three out of the top five players from that draft class, him, you know, excluding him and Marvin Bagley, the third um, get max extensions. He had to sit back and watch Luca get paid. He had to watch Jaron Jackson get paid. He had to watch Trey young get paid. So to have three out of that top five get max extensions from their teams and him being the first overall pick be viewed as like a liability as somebody we don't want to extend. I think, um, it probably bothered him the whole year. And I think this series just so happened to be the, the icing on the cake that showed us, like, yeah, things haven't been okay in um, Phoenix. But the biggest player I've, like, disappointed in with this series is Devin Booker. Devin Booker had the chance to cement himself as, as that guy. He, he talked the big game the whole series, made joke after joke about Luka, him and Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder talking about he's going to get a pedicure and a manicure, getting ready for game seven. Um, and then to not show up because I don't care what the final stat line said when in actual gameplay, Devin Booker at one point was three for 11. That's all you can give me when Luka Doncic just outscored your entire team. The same Devin Booker that got mad at Joe Kim Noah for being double teamed in, in pickups that he wishes he had those back. Um, it just it just showed he isn't a killer like everybody thought. He isn't this Kobe-like player that everybody, like, truly, truly viewed him as. And I, like I said, I just think this series was just it, – it exposed them. They were up 2-0. They started chatting, started talking, started barking. The Mavs come back, and they're like, oh, well, we'll still be fine. They weren't. They got punched in the mouth, um, and when it when it came down to it, Luca proved that he's a better basketball player than Devin Booker, and Luca proved that he is all world top five, arguably, not arguably. I give him top five. 
Because the way, what he did, he didn't need Jalen Brunson. He really, t- honestly, he didn't need Spencer. If you would have said, Luca, we got to take Brunson and Dinwiddie out this game. I think, I'm not saying they're not big impacts. But I think in my heart, Luca Doncic would have found a way to win that game yesterday. Point blank, period. He the best white player we've ever seen. But it's low-key not close, right? That we've seen. That we, that, that we, that we have that, that we we've have seen. seen. Not, not Larry Bird, like, that okay. we've seen. It's not close, right? Uh, Dirk has a freaking, like, 20-year career. Like, And, again, longevity plays a part in people's greatness longevity so i think if he you know keeps up at his because he came into the league averaging 29 and like he he's been doing this since he's entered the league hey if Luke, think, if Luke can do this for up to up until year 10 if he gets if he becomes a 10-year pro he, 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 get, he gets it i don't care what dirk what dirk has done i don't care if luca never wants a ring i'm saying it yeah no question yeah and i'm and, sorry <laughs> no it's all good man it's all good Wait, wait, before you start, before you start, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready for what is about to be the funeral of Chris Paul's career. Narrated, I have to scream this, narrated by Anthony DeWitt Haney III. Anthony, please step into the the light to have your moment (laughs) in the sun. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. Thank you, DJ, for uh, the warm introduction. Um. I feel like everyone expects me to go in on this guy, Chris Paul. And I will. Let's go. So people have called me many things, man. I get really excited when I talk about Chris Paul. Really excited when I talk about this dude right here. People have called me many things. And one of those, indeed, is a CP3 hater. I'm not sure why. I was talking to DJ about this earlier. I don't know why. Because all I do is state the facts. That's all I'm doing. All I'm doing, being brutally honest, again, again, your guy, Chris Paul, Cliff Paul, whatever you want to call him, he repeatedly comes up short in big moments. It is a fact. It's not opinion. It is a fact. We've seen it last year. We've seen it when he was in uh, Los Angeles. We've seen it with the Hornets. We've seen it everywhere he's gone. This is the fifth. Not the first, not the second, not the third, the fourth, the fifth. Too old, seriously, that this man, Chris Paul, a team led by him, has blown. And I'm not going to say they lost strictly because of him, because Devin Booker was a part of it. But he certainly ain't do nothing to help putting up, uh, to help uh, win that game. You know, the last five games, he's been averaging 9.4 points, 5.8 assists, 3.6 turnovers. This your point guard? <laughs> Is this your point guard? Hell no. And now they got this man trying to cop a plea, talking about he's been suffering from a hamstring injury since game three. And now all I hear about, oh, he's 37. He's this. He's too old. He's He's been in the league 17 years. Man, stop it. Because guess what? That 37-year-old dude, he led the Suns to first in the West. Did he or did he not? Did he not help Monty Williams get coach of the year? Again. Okay. But y'all want to talk about him being 37 years old. If he was so hurt, Square, if he was so hurt, Corey, why didn't he sit down? We've seen Cameron Payne come in, step in, and play a, a, a perfect or do a great job you know, being a floor general for the Suns when CP3 was hurt last year. Did we or did we not? Okay. more. Uh, now I'm going to continue to fact check this dude some more. We've seen, you know, Luka Doncic go down. What did he do? He rested. He let that boy um, Jalen Bronson step in, and he started going crazy. So, again, Chris Paul, if you were so hurt, if you were so hurt, why didn't you just sit down, brother man? Why didn't you sit down, rest the game or two, get yourself right? Because going one and four in these last five games, piss poor. And again, this is what I mean. This dude, Chris Paul, lacks championship DNA, guys. He does not have it. And he's talking about, well, I can get used to this, uh, 
this finals feeling, this finals taste. Well, congrats, my brother, on one year of being sober. Because you ain't going back, man. You ain't going back. All right. Well, that's hard to uh, follow up on, but I'll, I'll try to uh, add my little two cents. Let's, Dave, you got a you got a joke you want to throw in for the? No, nah, I just felt I just feel like I'm a, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna put a beat right on that. And put I'll the, just, the beat on there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, be honest, guys. Be honest. Am I stating facts or am I being a CP3 hater? Be honest. Tell hey, me. Hey, hey, who hates CP3 more, Ant or Pat Bev? <laughs> hey, look, Pat Bev was being brutally honest today, too. I'm trying to tell uh, y'all, man. He called that boy a cone, bro. I won't call him a cone. I won't call him a cone, though. That's egregious right there. It's crazy because I thought he was saying coon at first. I was like, dang, Patrick on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> to add on to uh, to play devil's advocate for Chris Paul. Oh, my God. Just dude. devil's advocate. It's 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 hard. It's hard. He was terrible. But I think there's two people we need. There's one person we need to give a ton of credit for. And there's one person we also need to give a little bit more blame to other than Devin Booker. Number one credit, Jason Kidd. That boy coached his that man, that grown ass man. Sorry. He coached his ass off. He. Everybody knows Chris Paul only wants to get to his right hand. He literally was like, we're not letting you get to his right hand. He even had he had Luka Doncic locked in on defense. So big props to Jason Kidd. But what I think is a huge, 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 huge kind of reason the Suns kind of were even in this position where they didn't have, like you said, a camp. They didn't trust campaign to like kind of take the reins from Chris Paul when he was playing bad. It's, um, James Jones, what what did he do to improve the roster from last season to this? Who was who was an addition that was like bona fide for a playoff run? Yeah, they made Javale McGee, Bismack Biongo. They they upgraded backup bigs because I remember that being kind of the narrative last year with Giannis. But they brought in Landry Shaman. Landry Shaman was supposed to when they got when they so, all right. So look, you can make the face, but in full transparency, Landry Shaman in full Landry transparency. Shaman? When they brought in Landry Shannon, the idea was a nice man. Well, it, that that was the idea. The idea was he was going to play a bigger role. Landry Jay- Shannon, bro, we look we looking for Landry Shannon to get us to the finals, David. That's a losing hey. mentality. It's not my team. I didn't. My I didn't thing is, I, personally, I don't think they need to. They needed to upgrade the roster that much. I think they had the pieces. Again, they were up 2-0 on the Bucks last year. They had what it took to, you know, oh, man. advance, advance they, back to the finals. They have no playmakers other than Chris Paul. That's their only playmaker. And Devin Booker. And he playmakes for himself. For Devin, himself. DeAndre Aiden also getting benched was a huge, you know, decision. Apparently, it was internal, according to Monty Williams. But the fact you bench him, he only played 17 minutes. D-Book and, your two, and um, CB3 struggling. I mean, you get those are three best players. All of them were struggling from the, the field. We the mean, DeAndre, huh? The DeAndre Aiden benching is like, like getting overblown because he he was in foul trouble in the first half, and then in the second half they was down thirty. So what what are we playing him for? Exactly. Like clearly, clearly there was some like animosity between him and Monty that we don't know the inside out of. But like him only playing seventeen, he would have played more if it was a closer game. Like I don't believe that Monty Williams. Is if like they needed DeAndre eight. If the game was over by the time like the real benching occurred. But it's still like you have Bismack, you have JaVel McGee, and DeAndre Angel best offensive scoring option at that position. So why not play him? You put Chris Paul in. This guy is hurt though. He's in the fourth quarter, eight minutes left to go in the game. Why? He's hurt, right? He's hurt, right? He's not hurt. Exactly. Everybody, everybody hurt in the playoffs. Exactly. That's, 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 Nobody's hurt in the playoffs. They should have got that, Eric man. Gordon. They should have got an Eric Gordon type dude who can shoot threes and get layups. Because that's, that's the right. thing the Suns don't do. There's all mid ranges and tough DeAndre Aiden like fadeaway jumpers and Devin Booker fadeaway jumpers. They don't get no easy threes. They don't get no easy layups, and that's why they get it's hard for them to score sometimes. They get but, no easy shots. But but see, this is why I think a player like Cam Johnson, for example, is somebody I think they should invest in. Um, and actually give a bigger role to because Cam Johnson and, of course, Mikel Bridges is a decently decent 
three and D player, or not three and D player. He's amazing defensively, but three point shooting, very, very above average. But I think Cam Johnson is their only legitimate three point sniper on that team. Um, I said this last week, Corey, Corey gave me grief, but I said Devin Booker is a slightly above average three point shooter. He's a bucket getter, don't get me wrong, but he's not a great shooter. He's he, like Kobe. All right, all right, all right, Kobe, Kobe is not the best three point shooter. I didn't say he was the best, but Cole had 12. They both the shoot similar, like they have similar percentages from th- three point hey, range. Hey, well, we're not talking about Cole. We're talking about Devin Booker. Stop comparing them. Kobe like Kobe like in triple team. Devin Booker doesn't like in double team. I don't like him. Uh, he don't have it. But um, we used to say they they need to their team is built perfectly for like a 2006 finals run. But unfortunately, we are in the age where you have a team like the Mavericks that only plays with one big, and that one big really doesn't do much except for try to protect the room every now and then, and they spread the floor. So, um, yeah, I think it's I, – I, they, they have to do something. And, I, I, like I said, I think giving Cam Johnson that role and saying, hey, bro, go in, light some people up, that, that's the answer. But – yeah, man, conference finals time, man. Conference finals time. Yes, sir. And the stage is set. Um, in our east, we have the Miami Heat, one seat, going up against the two seat in the Boston Celtics. And in our west, we have the three seat, uh, Golden State Warriors, going up against the four seat. Four C and the Dallas oh, Mavs. Were they the five? They were the four. Oh, they were the four. They were the four. Four C and the Dallas Mavs. They just finished it, they- guys. Because DJ definitely had the Bucks coming out of the uh, the East. He I, now I, will have to. I still that do. Out. I still do. <laughs> okay, Bucks at nine. You keep wishfully thinking um, and hanging on to that hope. Uh, so yeah, you'll definitely have to switch up who you got coming out the West. So I mean the East. The West, my, my team is still there. The Golden State Warriors, I still think they're going to do what it does to come out of the West. Um, but I don't know about the the, the East yet. So I'm going to let DJ start on who he got coming out of the, the East. And then uh, we'll oh, go around the circle and uh, discuss oh, I, this I got, baby boy. Can I, just, can I just say both of them, please? Because I just want to get it out the way. Go ahead. My NBA Finals matchup. <clears throat> We're taking <clears throat> it back to 2006. In 2011, I have the Mavs playing the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. I don't care what anybody says. I'm about to go take a shot, and I'll take my shot for that. Because you could say it's a bad take, but I think this. One, the Heat are a very interesting matchup for the Celtics um, because both teams have actually been just – when I say all level of just going out and executing game plans, both teams, Spo versus Ime Udoka, that is literally the matchup. I, the players on the floor, that's cool. But those two, who are, this, it's going to be a chess match. It's going to be a beautiful chess match. Um, and after I watched Game Time or Winning Time, the uh, Lakers documentary, I just can't root for the Celtics. Something about that that seems like I don't like myself being a black man rooting for the Celtics. Um, when it comes to the Warriors Mavs, I think this matchup is interesting because <clears throat> every series so far that the Warriors have played in, they, in my opinion, have had a mismatch because they can go small ball and that small ball just destroys everybody. I saw that um, there was only two games out of that six game series that the Warriors were out rebounded by the Grizzlies. And we're talking about the Warriors where their tallest player is six foot nine and Kevon Looney who had a 20 rebound game in game six. So when you match that up with the team that's been playing small all season long, once they traded away KP at least, um, and a team that they've been successful in the playoffs by playing small ball, I think that there's nobody on the Warriors that can handle Luka. Like, because you switch Draymond Green on him, that's that's nice. That's cool. Luka's going to He's going to exploit that boy. You put he's gonna have a lot of matchups with Steph. We all we see what Luca does to smaller guards. Clay Thompson, that's a decent matchup, but I don't know if Clay can really guard Luca. 
So I, like I said, I, I'm going to go with the Mavs because I think when you look at matchup for matchup, like position versus position, that Mavs team is different. Like they can match up with that team perfectly. And even if you throw the Jordan Poole example out, like, oh, who's going to stick with Jordan Poole? I don't know if I believe in this player. I think he's fluke. I said it already. But they have somebody that matches up perfectly with Jordan Poole off the bench. Spencer Dinwiddie. Literally, their position for position, they match up. That's gross. That is gross, but is it not true? You just said, bro, you literally just said. And the narrative of Spencer Dinwiddie has changed. It's 30-point game seven. So, it's a believer. Matt Heat, that's all I have to say. I'm going to take my shot now. All right. Before Corey goes, I also want to preface this by saying the Mavs did beat the Warriors three games to one during the regular season. I will point that out. However, his heat prediction, the Boston Celtics won the season series 2-1. So, again, it's going to be tough, but also it's important to note Miami's long win came while they were in Boston. Go ahead, Corey. All right. So, I actually like your takes, David. I like them. I might even agree with one of them. Oh, thank you. Uh, Coming out the Eastern Conference. I got the Miami Heat. I got the Miami Heat beating the Celtics in six. I think the Heat, I think if the Sixers played the Celtics, the Celtics would be in the NBA Finals, but I think the Heat are a terrible matchup for them and that they can essentially match up wings. Max Juice, all he's going to do is play defense and shoot threes. Jimmy and Jason Tatum cancel each other out. And then I think Bam, I think the difference of Bam being a little bit better than Jalen Brown is what gets um, the heat over the top, as well as I think Coach Spo is a little bit better um, of a coach than um, Ekbe Udo um, so far. Not Ekbe Udo. What's his name? I said the wrong dude's name. Ime. Ime, yeah. So um, I think Miami Heat take it. I think they have a lot of firepower. Victor Oladipo coming back. I honestly don't even want Kyle Lowry to come back, honestly. Not the biggest fan of Kyle Lowry, but I think him coming back just kind of messes up the rotation that Vic um, Strauss, um who else is in there? Um, Gabe Hero, Vincent. Gabe Vincent, don't Gabe Vincent. Like all them dudes have a great chemistry with Jimmy Butler playing like absolute top ten player in the league, superstar in this league. Jimmy raised his game in the playoffs, and I think the Heat just have a little bit too much for the Celtics, who are not going to get wide open threes like they did in the last series. And I think they got a little comfortable. So I see the Heat getting out to a two zero lead um, in the series and kind of seeing where it goes from there because I think the Celtics are going to be a little shell shocked by the Heat's. Uh, kind of defensive intensity with PJ not and PJ Tucker who's a great playoff performer as well can't leave him open he's going to defend his ass off I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tucker starts on Tatum and Jimmy closing the games out on him and it looks like you got something to say I'm not gonna lie you guys are in a sense making me change my prediction all this time, I really thought the Celtics, you know, were going to be able to um, outdo the Heat. Um, and I still do. Hell, y'all talking about. First of all, I do agree with you guys when you guys talk about, you know, how the Heat match up against the Celtics. However, we've seen, we've seen the Heat struggle to find offense several times in their uh, their, their games against the 76ers. And I'm not saying the 76ers are a bad defensive team, but at the same token, you're getting you're going up against the best defensive team in the uh, the Boston Celtics. So, I think that's more so going to be the X factor for this series, who can get stops and I think um the Celtics will be able to manufacture a few more stops than the Miami Heat. If I'm a betting man, I'm definitely taking the under in all these games because I don't think there will be any high scoring games. Um, but again, I think the Celtics will be able to find a lot of offense, you know, through their two star players and Jalen Brown and um and Jason Tatum, but they also have people coming off the bench to help as well. So when it's all said and done, it will be the Warriors versus the Boston Celtics. And we haven't seen that before. So I think it's very uh it'll be a very um, cool last series. Yeah, man, you didn't um, even let me get my Western Conference pick out there. That's crazy. I didn't even talk about mine. 
Oh, my bad. I thought we were doing two, two. My bad, my bad. Yeah, Corey, you just took too long. Hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Warriors in five. Warriors in five? Whew. Hey, if Cinco. it's Warriors in five, all Cinco. right. I could see it, though. I could see it because at least I know the Warriors can get stops. Um, I'm not too confident in the Mavs to get the stops that they need. And DJ was talking about – you know, putting Draymond on, on Luca and how he's going to do all of this and do all Abuse. of that. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do all that. Like LeBron, defending LeBron is tough because he's just so strong. I'm not saying Luca's not strong, but like I think it's two different types of strong. And I think Draymond's going to be able to handle Luca. He's he Luca's not insanely fast. I think he'll be able to slide his feet, but also you got different bodies that throw at him though. You got you got uh Clay, you got Andrew Wiggins, maybe Otto Porter, I don't know. Gary Payton, hopefully he's going to come back. And if Gary Payton is going to be back, I think that's going to be super instrumental in uh, the the Golden State Warriors um, defense. But, oh, did you want to respond? I don't even have a response. I, I, see just, you. I, just, I just can't wait to, to – when Luka is in the NBA Finals, I don't want to hear a word. You, you can do all the bragging you want. Cause I'm standing ten toes deep, and I already know the Warriors are coming out of the West. What's up? No, nah, it's crazy. Cause like I love Luca, <laughs> but I don't want them to make the finals. Cause then like that's a white savior, bro. You know how these people get out here. I don't. We don't need no more white saviors. I mean, the thing is, and, so, and this he's Slovenian. He's not American. It's different. That, that is that is true. That is true. It's crazy. Corey says that because we're going to transition to another white savior, quote unquote, of our league, and how he was able to, you know snatch in my opinion or steal the nba's most valuable player honor and that person i'm talking about is nikola Jokic. um this came out about like two weeks ago and i'm mad we missed our uh you know window opportunity to like really go in on um who deserved it more but we're going to do a little quick snippet of um who we definitely deserve to um win mvp and i know dj was a firm advocate no actually no he was not uh if it wasn't Giannis, DJ was a firm advocate for Giannis. I mean, for Jokic to go on to win the MVP. So I'll let DJ start off uh, defending <clears throat> his guy before I'm talking about Giannis. Um, no, the the my MVP pick was Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't change, but I said Jokic was second because when I look at what Jokic did with what he had. I, I, and again, it's not to say Joel Embiid didn't do a lot with what he had, because Joel Embiid did. He definitely did not have a second best player, in my opinion, for most of the year. But Jokic did that with a band of nobodies, realistically. Like he had Michael Porter Jr. for what twelve games. Didn't have Jamal Murray all year. His his second best player is Aaron Gordon, um, who we know is streaky. His third best player is Will Barton, like. Jeff Green was starting on this team. It's not 2009. Like, Jeff Green is a solid role player, but starting level, and eh, eh. He had Bones Highland, who he was bringing along with him. And then, let's not forget, when Marquise Morris tried to take him out, and he responded by taking that boy out, giving that boy whiplash for, for five months, and then posted up in Miami. Honestly, he, he would have been second in my, in my eyes in MVP strictly for what he did. He went to the club in Miami and had them playing his national anthem in the club. That alone, after knocking Marquise Morris out for five months, that's all I needed. So see the second white person that you invite to the cookout. No, I didn't say he was invited to the cookout. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. No, 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 no. He, him and his brothers, I don't know. Nah, they don't. They, they don't. They don't give me the type that uh, Luca. See, Luca, Luca. I know Luca listens to rap. Jokic, when they gave him MVP, that boy was horseback ride in a chariot. <laughs> what? I can't give that boy. No, he can't. What? Yeah, no. Yeah, let the white man that was on the, on a chariot come to the cookout. No, not at all. I feel you on that. Score. But 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 again, I say real quick before before right. before you move on. I'm going to mute myself after this for the rest of these tapes. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, number 34, out of Greece, was should have been the league MVP off of numbers and wins alone. That is all. And you can mute your mic. Oh. 
Cool. Before we uh, get to Corey real quick, um, DJ was talking about, you know, Jamal Murray not being there all season, Michael Porter Jr., you know, only playing in a limited amount of games. But the thing is, Square, we've seen this before. We've seen Kobe take his team to the, you know, the playoffs with nobody on his team. We've seen LeBron go out there and win 50 games his third year in the league. And guess what? These guys didn't win the league MVP. And you know who did? A guy by the name of Steve Nash that was averaging 18 points and 11 assists. So we've seen this. We've seen people get snubbed uh, for not having a huge supporting cast. And that's personally why I didn't want to give Jokic the MVP. Not even just the MVP, a back-to-back MVP, because that's saying something when you crown somebody a back-to-back MVP. Um, so I, I personally would have loved to see Embiid win it. Um, I think he did just enough going out there winning the scoring title, being a defensive presence he was all season long. And we saw it in the first two games of the series against the Miami Heat, where him not being there, their defense looked terrible. And the second he got back, they were able to win two games um, in convincing fashion. So um, I just like the – I mean, it, it is still hard to argue against Jokic, but we've seen this before um, where people who didn't have supporting cast not win the award. So if that's your, you know, leading argument, I don't really think it's the best argument. But also it's just this award because there's really no true criteria for this award. Um, so, Corey, or did, did DJ want to respond to, uh, to to what I had to say? Oh, no, no he did So I got a good rebuttal. So, and you make a good point. MVP, it shouldn't be off what your supporting talent is. I feel you. I kind of get that. But let's just read off this man's stats real quick. Let's just start with points. 27 points per game. Let's go to assists. Eight assists. 14 rebounds. 1.5 steals and 0.9 blocks. Those look like MVP numbers to me. Those 2K numbers, man. Like, this is not who's the most talented player. This is about who is the most valuable player to their team. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, let's say we take Jokic off and we put Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. on the team. Are they just as good? Are the Nuggets just as good? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that team might be a playoff team, but I don't think they're as good as this without Jokic. You I mean, that's, that, that's fair. That's fair, but that's like saying that's like taking LeBron off the Cavaliers. It, going off what you're saying, that means LeBron should have been MVP every year. But we're talking about this year. We're not talking about prior years. But, you're right, but I'm just saying, again, the criteria is just so inconsistent. And based off your argument, you taking LeBron off the Cavs, and we've seen this, how they went from a 60-win team to a 19-win team. Like, we've seen this before. That's, like, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. It's always like, why isn't it the same thing? Square bringing Kobe, y'all some Kobe and LeBron lovers. I don't bring in Kobe. Y'all bring in Kobe. You brought in Kobe, <laughs> but nah, like Jokic. Jokic is the most valuable player to his team this year. Um, I kind of want to go with Giannis, but Giannis also has two more dogs on his team that would take votes away. I, I know, but Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are all-star caliber players. And Brooke Lopez is still really, really good, even though he was gone for most of the year. Corey, Corey. Remember how you just read the numbers off? <clears throat> 29.9 points per game, more than Jokic. 1.4 blocks per game, more than Jokic. Okay, 1.1 still. Okay. Six assists. Okay. 12 rebounds. More wins. This he boy had, averaged, he had more help, bro. This boy, he averaged 30 and 12. <laughs> he had more help, bro. With six assists. I would have, if, all right, if I had to give my top three voting, I probably, the Joel Embiid and the Philly fans are going to kill me. I probably would have went Jokic, Giannis, Luka, Embiid. Yeah, go ahead, cut your mic, Corey. Go ahead, cut your mic, bro. Are you serious? When Luca came back, the Mavs went crazy. And now we're talking Luca top five. Y'all gotta give it to Luca. He is that man. 
Embiid is also that man. You got to stop disrespecting Embiid. It's not disrespecting Embiid. He won a scoring title as a big man, a center. I love Embiid. I love him to death. I love him to death. It's been two I just think those other three, I just think the other three players are more valuable to their teams. Your recency bias is showing, brother. Hey, bro, that's why we shoot the podcast weekly, bro. So we, right, that's man. why we do that. Don't blame hey, so. the podcast on your recency bias. Before I uh, break my computer, uh, let's transition uh, because I think we're all just going to agree to disagree on all of these uh, MVP votes. Um, let's talk some NFL. We've been talking N- N- NBA all day. Let's talk some NB- NFL and then get on out of here. So, um, the draft happened a couple of weeks ago, late April, um, and we never really got to discuss our grades for each of our respective teams. You know, DJ is a diehard Go Pack Go fan, and Corey and I are Washington Redskins, Washington Yo, football commanders. team, fans. So um, let's start with <clears> – <throat> Let's start with Corey. Let's talk about our commanders first, and then we'll get to um, those guys up there in uh, Wisconsin. Hey, DJ, I might need some room on the Packer bandwagon. I hate the commanders. (laughs) They suck. The draft was terrible. And as a fellow commander fan, everybody knows in the NFL draft, your first two picks need to be bona fide starters. They won. They need to be starters. Jahan Doxon. He's third on the depth chart right now. Credit Samuel and Terry McLaurin are above him. Wasted pick to me. Traded back for no reason. Kyle Hamilton, the best player on the board and a positional need, was right there for the taking. We didn't take him. Guess who's our starting free safety? Bobby McCain. Who is that? He John McCain, son, grandson. (laughs) Who is that? He's a special teams player. Second round pick. Another (laughs) Alabama D tackle. What are we doing? We got we got to have the Alabama defensive line coach got to have some on our GM. He got to. Like, why are we still taking Alabama D lineman? He's going to be another backup. That's another solid position. And then the worst pick of the draft. Oh, my God. Why are we drafting running backs? We have two good ones already. Tell me why. Why? Why are we drafting running backs? I love Brian Robinson, but he we didn't need him. We did not need him. The only solid pick was Sam Howell, who we got in the fifth round. So the only solid pick was a third-string quarterback for this year. I'm done. I'm tired of the commanders. Hey, go Pack go. Oh, my gosh. And he dropped the mic. Yo. Corey gave our commanders a D. And I'm not going to say we had the best draft, but I'm not going to say we had a D-rated draft. I'll probably give us a C, maybe a C plus. Um, and as Core already alluded to, yes, your first couple of picks, they have to be, you know, people that you can really build into your uh, your team and build up essentially d- day one starters and trading back for Jahan when we had the likes of Kyle Hamilton. I was so upset to not see Kyle Hamilton get drafted because he fell into our laps. We want to play buff. We want to utilize the Buffalo nickel position. And what other better way than to do that by letting Landon Collins go and bringing in a rookie? A rookie. He could have played that position. We would have had three safeties, Cam Curl, Bible McCain, who I don't think is just a special team player. You, you got a little disrespectful on that. And then plug in my man Kyle Hamilton in at that spot. Um, so I was definitely sad to see that happen. Um, Jahan Dawson, I'm not, I don't necessarily like the pick. Um, I definitely think we overdrafted for that guy. For real, for I think we could have traded back to 22 if we really wanted to um, get Jahan Dawson. Again, it was an overdraft. Could have got Jamison Williams. I didn't really like Olave like that. But again, he was also quote unquote or rumored to be better than Jahan uh, Dawson. So um, I would say it was an okay pick. Fedarian Mathis killed me, though, dog. That one killed me. Um, this guy is a two-down, run-stuffing player. Um, he's going to be brought in to take Matt Ioannidis' snaps. So, you know, he only got 40% of the snaps last year. So we drafted this guy second 
to play to be a part-time player for what? For what? And then the third one. Oh my gosh, Corey. I'm right with you, dog. Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Hey, look, I love the kid. I think he's a phenomenal talent. He doesn't fumble the ball. He 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 definitely holds that rock up high and tight. But at the same token, we have Antonio Gibson. If this is the guy you thought he was going to be, if he's that Christian McCaffrey-like guy you wanted him to be, why are we going out again, Brian Robinson? And then you re-sign. We, we, we freaking steal J.D. McKissick away from Buffalo to draft this guy? Who's splitting carries? Come on. Make it make sense. The math ain't math. And I don't understand it, man. However, I do like the, the fourth pick that we had, Percy Butler. I don't think that was bad. Sam Howe definitely was a value pick um, because this guy was rumored to be, you know, go number one at a point in time, his uh, his sophomore season, when he had all that NFL talent down there. He was definitely balling. But guess what? He lost all of that talent. His draft uh, plummeted, and everybody just, you know, counted him out. So I think getting him in the fifth round actually low-key was a steal and definitely a value pick. The other two players, you know, practice squad players, um, maybe special team players. Hopefully they make the roster. We don't know. Um, but we we drafted a lineman, DJ, by the name of Chris Paul. Chris Paul. <laughs> not, 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 not the one that played in the league. Chris Paul. How, how, how ironic. You can tell I didn't like that pick. Um, but I guess it was a death uh, piece for us. I'm getting him on the offensive line. And then we got the kid Holmes, um, who's probably going to be a special team player. So I, I would definitely give us a C, C, C draft. I think those guys can be rotational players. But I'd rather bring in people that we're going to be able to, uh, you know, play and build up. And we, quite frankly, didn't do that. David, let me jump in here real quick. Just to, Okay. Just to, I'll let you. Just, yeah. to, just slide it. Um, yeah. My takes were no slight to any players on the current football team. I am. I want to apologize to Mr. Bobby McCain. He is solid. I do apologize. <laughs> I, just, I got a little emotional there. Bobby McCain is solid. I just got really excited that we could have got hope, uh, generational types. This is the second safety we passed up. We could have got Derwin James, too. Passed on Derwin James. But to each his own, I think Jahan Doxson could be good. I just didn't think there was a, a position of need. Ron Revere is drafting like we are Super Bowl contenders already, and I just don't understand. We are, we are not good. Like why? Why do people like? Why are they drafting like that? Like I don't get it. But David, I took a lot of your time. I do want to apologize. Go ahead and um, my second team, the Packers, second team. I'm going to be rooting for. Maybe hopefully there's room on the ship. We got a, We got our corner, baby. Highest paid corner in the league as of today. Shout out Jair Alexander. Hey, Forty hey. million in one month. It's definitely, it's definitely room on the bandwagon, Corey. You know, it, hey, you know, it's, it's. <sighs> if you would have texted me after night one of the draft, I was furious, guys. I was furious. I was angry. I was yelling expletives, a lot of them actually. And then day two happened, and then day three happened, and after day three, my soul was calm, and my soul was calm. Because Brian Guntercoos, he only made me mad one time. And the only way he made me mad was because, in my opinion, we had enough draft capital to really, really push and get up like in the top 15 for a receiver. Um, top 10, that was a pipe dream. It was a dream I had, but it was a pipe dream. With that being said, <clears throat> And, I, and I've, I've, I went back and looked at the Packers draft um, one more time before the show while I was on the Metro on my way home. And I actually give us a B plus. I gave us a B, but I give us a B plus. I'm going to tell you why I give us a B. Brian Guntercoos, first off, I, I think he has a thing for Alabama defensive player. I mean, not Alabama, sorry, Georgia defensive players. Um, and I, and I, I, it, it's not a bad thing because that Georgia defense is tough. Now, we went out and got Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker in the first round. Um, were they necessarily positions of need? No, but in that situation, there was not another receiver that was taken in that time until we drafted one in the second round. So with that being said, I think we did a smart thing by saying, let's go get something that's going to help us win more games. Adding Devontae Wyatt next to Kenny Clark, next to Jaron Reed, next to Dean Lowry, I think is only 
going to get scarier because he is a run. He's a pass rushing, sorry, pass rushing defensive lineman, um, which I think is going to be terrifying. That's to Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, and Preston Smith. Quay Walker, um, I think we're looking at him as a sideline to sideline piece that can develop with Devondre Campbell, with Chris Barnes. I think Chris Barnes won't be a Packer anymore after the season because we drafted Quay Walker in the first round, obviously. Um, and then we go in our second round. And we finally get Aaron Rodgers, a, a nice quality receiver, and Christian Watson. And what I loved about the Christian Watson pick is that he's a 6'4 wide receiver who with 4'3 speed. Um, and, you know, when I look at Christian Watson, I think two things. I think either he's going to be a star or he's going to turn into Mercedes Valdez-Scantling, which is not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing. Could be worse. Could be way worse. Josh Doxer, remember him? Well, he wasn't fast. He was slow. That's another receiver y'all drafted that was garbage. Um, but, yeah, I just – I looking at, you know, what we did in, in day three, um, that's usually where the Packers really win. Uh, we drafted Sean Ryan out of UCLA, who um, was all Pac-12 lineman. Um, and then we did – and I think our seventh-round picks are the, the other two players that really, really got me excited about our draft. Uh, Samari Torre out in Nebraska, six foot one receiver, but a very, 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 very good big play threat who I think is going to make our team and it might even push third round pick from last year, Amari Rogers off of the team. Um, and then Rasheed Walker out of Penn State. Now, y'all may not know Rasheed Walker. You ever seen the video of the Penn State lineman pancake the boy and then hump him while he was on the ground? That's Rasheed Walker. I like that energy on my team. And we develop linemen. That's what we do. So I think I actually think Rasheed Walker is going to, like, really have a chance to start at the right tackle spot, which we let Billy Turner walk. Um, we let Dennis Kelly walk as well. So I, I think Rasheed Walker will have a chance to start at that right tackle spot. So, like I said, I give Brian Guntzikus to B plus because you, got, you went out and got two receivers who can make an impact. Um, you added defense, like defensive talent, in spots that were decently strong, but you made them stronger. Um, and then I'm going to sprinkle a little bit more. You paid Jair Alexander. You paid Jair Alexander. If this was the, the Packers of old, he would have pulled a Casey Hayward and left. I cried when Casey Hayward left Green Bay. Boy, he was coming off of seven picks, and we just let him walk. So, yeah, I give Brian Guntercoos a B, a B plus, sorry. I still think we – needs to go out and sign um, Julio Jones. Even though Julio Jones' hamstring is as worse as James Harden's is, I think he, with Aaron Rodgers, he can become at least a glimmer of Julio Jones still. And with the talent around him, he doesn't have to be an undefeated number one. He can be a nice, decent, decently decent, high-level role player for us. Um, and, and, yeah. That's that's the Packers, man. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. Could be, it, it, you know, I, did I want Chris Olave? Yes, yes, I still, I'm still upset about not having Chris Olave on my team. But it could be worse. Aaron Rodgers, 12 seems happy. The team seems very happy. Seems more complete. So I'm, I'm fine with my guys and um, Gunter Coos, at least for the next couple of months. I won't call for his death. I'm dead. Hey, I, so I saw you mention um, Julio as a potential free agent target. Um, there are a couple of other people out there. You know, OBJ still hasn't been signed. Not saying you should sign him because he he's is, not going to be ready for until the playoffs. I need something. Still got ready. Emmanuel Sanders. I don't want still him. He snubbed us. I don't want him. Ooh, still Keep got Cole Beasley out here. He he he's a MAGA supporter and doesn't believe in COVID. I don't want him. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, Will Fuller, he, Will Fuller be on the, on the PEDs. That's the healing. He's only had one healthy year and his healthy year. He was on the PEDs. I don't want him. Hey, look, all I'm going to tell you is, man, you don't have a lot to turn to my boy. Except for Julio. That is what I will tell you. You don't have a lot to turn to. So, um, <laughs> good luck. Um, but I mean, let's put the final touches on this, uh, this podcast definitely did a, uh, I think this was a great episode. Um, let's, let's start out with some parting words. I shall say, um, I just I'm, I'm I'm excited for this this freaking 
Eastern and Western Conference Finals um, series to begin. Definitely uh, ready for DJ to be wrong. Me and Corey will be right somehow, some way. Um, but I don't think DJ's two um, picks are going to come through. Um, so, yeah, until next week, we uh, shall. I got say? something to say. I got something yeah, to say. I was going to say, I had hard words too. Oh, all right. Ain't one be a superstar. Ain't one DJ to say nothing. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> um, Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> for MVP. It's, it's, he's the best player in the league. Um, but no, my 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 pardon words. First off, NBA draft lottery is tomorrow, um, Tuesday. It'll be Tuesday, May seventeenth, or is it tomorrow seventeenth? I got my dates messed up. Yes, tomorrow is seventeenth. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a very fun Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals. I'm I'm going with my gut, and my that's what my gut is telling me. So, um, people, just go with your gut, man. Don't worry about all these analytics. Listen to all these analytical people. Go with your gut. My gut is telling me it's 06, 2011, 2022. It sounds good. Now I'm done. Leave my mic. Oh, man. It's been an absolute great podcast, man. I really do appreciate talking sports with the guys. Uh, One sport that I would love to highlight as an employee in this league is the WNBA and the number one. Washington Mystics. Clap it three up for one. Washington three three one. One. Let's three go. One. Three and one. All right. Give me a ring. Come on, Elena. Yeah, so Washington Mystics came out balling. Uh, we still got some players uh, coming in from overseas, but excited to the start of the WBA season. And I told y'all about Ryan Howard. I told y'all. Hooping. She is hooping. She got them girls two on one, and it's a cold bucket. Cold bucket. I know she had 17 in the first half yesterday. Finish with finish with 33. But nah, shout out to the Mystics. Um, really love doing this uh with y'all and uh look forward to talking next week. Hopefully the Wizards get a number one pick tomorrow. Yes, sir. And also we're gonna have a preview for the Tank Roly Romero fight. So make sure you guys do your Googles on Tank and Roly Romero because that is Labor Day. I mean Memorial Day weekend, and that's gonna do it for the pod today. All jokes aside, hey hey.